All right, away we go. It is the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. If you are downtown, around the banks, make sure you're stopping down to visit our good friends at the Holy Grail. They will get you taken care of. And uh, we have, not this week, but uh, the, the next two games after homecoming, road games, big ones at SMU, at UCF. We will be at the Grail watch parties Make sure you make your plans now to join us as uh, we always have a good time down at the Holy Grail watching Bearcat games. All right, Dave, let, let, let's get this thing started. Uh, let's let's give everybody a, a minute or two to get in here. Um, I we, This is normally in football season. We start we start with football, Dave. But yes, normally we do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like Luke Fickle, right? Like, I don't have anything else to say about Tulsa. <laughs> no, and I don't either. Um, you know, it's the, the beauty of the uh, Royal Links Golf Tours Bearcat Brunch. Right. I can say everything that I need to say during that show. Well, and I have the BBP and various nightcaps. Like, if it, if it's a compelling, interesting conversation, yeah, we'll have it. But guess what? That game was neither compelling nor all that interesting. So, get on the plane. Get out of Tulsa. UC doesn't have to go to Tulsa in basketball this year, Dave. I heard that. We are done. We are done going to that godforsaken place. <laughs> so instead, let's get rolling tonight with some basketball talk. Uh, we hit on it. We hit on everything pretty hard last night uh, on PTP with the commitment of Jizzle James. But new information today with a new hire that we've been. Um, not so vaguely hinting at over the past couple weeks. Uh, unfortunately, they had a media availability today. I uh, I didn't get the chance to go because Kelsey's sick now. Kelsey's got a cold, so couldn't go to the hospital today. Had to stay home with a sick kid. Sick kid. Yeah, you, you need to just bubble up. It, it's come. Whatever is gonna come for me, it's coming for me. Like it, it's not good. We're not headed in a in a good direction there, David. <laughs> yeah. I think Luckily, a, I think there's something going around. Will was had a cold, I guess you'd call it, the last couple of weeks, and then I've I've caught a very very small bit of it. But you know, yeah. Luckily with Kelsey, it's just like a little runny nose and a little yeah. bit of a sore throat. Like it, it's nothing. Didn't have a fever. Didn't nothing crazy. Fortunately, she's a preteen. So she spends all of her time locked in a room anyway. <laughs> so we yes. don't, there's no cross contamination danger in the Brendel household. Kelly was like, well, I, I can't come home until she feels better. And I'm like, you'll never see her. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like she rents a room here uh, and, and it barely exists. But so let's talk hoops, Dave. Let's talk. Uh, some hoops. Hey, Jeffrey. Hey, hey, Lambig. How are we doing? See, you're getting good at the the chat thing now. You're the the, the brunch has got you much more uh, much more involved. Yeah, the in uh, the 
you know, the legions and legions of fans that we've developed. Oh, uh, you guys are, you guys are the hot, hot shit on the network. We are the, the, you know, yeah. The, uh, the new bad bitches on the block. The, the trendy new kid <laughs> that, that everybody, you know, everybody thinks is cool. Cause they just met. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's an awesome show. And, and I love like Jeff is so excited to be doing it, which I think is really cool to get like th that, that energy of like doing something new again. Cause for yeah. us, like it's just you and I have done 300 of these now. Like, I don't know when Tim stopped and you yeah. like started, but we've done a lot of these freaking shows. 350 next week. Wow. 350. Yeah. But that's, there were, there was a period where Tim and I did shows um, that Dave didn't do. And then when Tim retired, Dave stepped in. I would guess you've done close to all of them. Yeah, I would. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of shows. It's a lot of shows. <laughs> uh, what's been a lot of fun is watching Wes Miller. You like how I'm filibustering here for the room to fill up? Like that's <laughs> that's everybody always like. Why do you guys just ramble for the first like eight minutes of the show? Because it's live, and we want more people to get in here. Before well, I we think really but, get if, in. but I, I will say though, if we started like consistently giving something good right at the beginning, maybe that would get them to to get in from the beginning. Probably not. <laughs> Probably. No, I mean people people you know have things going on. We we, underst in. we understand, but uh, but yeah, it's been a uh, a fun fun and exciting and. Uh, you know, momentous movement type beginning of the week for basketball. Well, this is what this program is needed, right? Like a shot of momentum, a shot. Of course you get that with the coaching hire. But the reality is you're going to have work to do to build that momentum. And, and, you know, Wes has put in that work now, granted, they didn't have the type of success I think they would like to have had, especially at the end of last year when they just ran out of offensive firepower. Um, but this is the type of momentum that can carry into a season that can, that can, you know, not that it's impacting the team that there's re recruiting momentum, but that it's impacting the fan base that <clears throat> people are paying closer attention. People are excited about where things are headed under this this new coaching staff. Um, and, of course, the big news yesterday, the commitment of Jizzle James. Uh, if you have not, I highly recommend going and watching the interview with his AAU coach, Steve Reese, that we did on the nightcap last night. A lot of really good insight there into what the family saw in Cincinnati, why they were comfortable with Cincinnati, the fact that Jizzle looked at Steve, who who runs his AAU program, and said, I'm going to Cincinnati, or I'm coming to Cincinnati, in the middle of the Indiana football game. Um, really good stuff there. But you got to give Wes Miller credit, man. Like, identifying a guy like this, still going after aggressively the number one point guard in the country, but then being able to, like, in that process, still land a top 50-level point guard to say, look, we're, we're going to still do, do everything we can to get Isaiah Collier, but if that doesn't work, we're good. 
Like we're not scrambling. We have to drop down and grab a top 130 point guard. Like we got a dude. And now we're going to try to get another dude. That's the big thinking that Wes Miller has. Yeah. I mean, to me, you know, obviously like I've, I've liked what I've seen from Jizzle James. I obviously don't have any near the knowledge or have seen him the way that you have. Um, but for me, it's, it's more about like, we've all, we've all, we're all excited about West. We like West. We like what he's done. We knew kind of, we knew what year one was going to be. Um, yeah, I, I think I think they kind of fit right into probably what most real ex, realistic expectations were. I mean, they were right in that win range that we all had at the end of the season. And so, you know, we wanted to say, okay, where are we going from that point, whether it's with recruiting, the portal, player development, staff enhancements, all of those kind of pieces, and then with an eye on the Big 12. I mean – Everybody is rightfully very, very excited about Big 12 basketball, but we also had to see a progression start to take place to where we felt better about the jumping off point. Right. Um, it's great to go to the Big 12, but, I mean, everybody lived the first year of the Big East. You Ooh. don't want a, oh. a, re- a redo of that. Well, so, First so year of the Big East was technically AK the AK. Year. Well, you know, you know what I mean, like mix the yeah. mix first year, right? Yeah. Um, I don't even consider that a year because it was like he knew he wasn't getting the job, he wasn't recruiting, you know, stuff stuff like that. Um, but so now you're like you're making enhancements to your staff. You've brought in, you know, what I would call two foundational type guys in Dan Skillings and Josh Reed. That we feel, I think both have potential to be really good. Right. Like guys that you feel comfortable will, will be con- contribute. I mean, it's way too early to know exactly what's going to happen, but like you feel pretty comfortable that those guys are going to be contributors on, on, so, you know, on hopefully solid teams in the big 12. And now you're adding a Rayvon Griffin and the Jizzle James, who you feel even better about. I mean, we love You've said a lot of good things about Dan and Josh and, you know, both of those guys were in like the 110 to 130, 150 range while Jizzle and Rayvon are both top 55 guys. Yeah. So you're you're building on that and you're just, you're not slowly but surely, but you are, you know, you're starting to form a roster that you feel good about in the, over the next couple of years because you know there's going to be more enhancements. You know that if they play Let's back. Not forget Sage. I, I think Sage deserves a mention here. For sure. I just, I'm looking like he, we know he's probably going to take a couple years to get to a point where you can say one way or the other, like main contributor or, or, or how you want to, you know, categorize him. But yeah. Um, but no, you're just, you're just kind of moving things along and feeling good about it. And then, you know, obviously there's other huge pieces out there and, you know, whether it's Flory Badunga, whether it's Tyler McKinley, like there's there's guys that you're now you're getting excited because you're like, man, if they can get Flory and they can get Tyler McKinley, like now you've got like six guys that you feel really, really good about. And you know, some of them might be one year, two year guys, some might be three, four year guys, but that's how you build a program. That's how you sustain success. And 
I think that's the, the exciting part is, is kind of the way that they've worked the recruiting angles and, and now the hiring of Drew Adams. And, and, you know, we've talked a lot about the connections that Wes has and, and just the relationships and, and it's just a lot of things pointing uh, in the right direction for basketball. How about we'll start with this. Drew Adams last night uh, post this on Twitter uh, right around you know, 9.07 last night, which was seven minutes after the, the commitment. Right. The movement and this picture. You think those are those are Flory's hands? I don't know. Are they? Are they Flory's hands? I don't hands? know. They, 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 I don't know. They seem maybe they're Jizzle's hands. Those are pretty big to be to to be a point guard's hands. I, I don't. I, I I can't. Uh, you know, I can't characterize them based on this little picture. So, yeah, well, maybe. what I will say, what I will say is, Flory visited yesterday, had a photo shoot in Fifth Third Arena yesterday. I saw him, and then you did see him <laughs> as you were heading in for fan council, and then this goes up from Drew Adams last night, kind of signaling like. Uh, I'm here. I, I, I have arrived, yes. which um, I know everybody on staff is really excited about. Um, I'm kind of upset I didn't get a chance to stop by today and uh, and say hello. I haven't seen Drew in, in a while. So, but I mean, this is the type of thing, like you talked about struggling to get excited the last couple of years with basketball. It was a, yes, you could say it was a struggle. Berg has talked about struggling to get excited the last couple of years over basketball. Berg's the most diehard UC fan I've ever met. Now, obviously Berg had some life things that, you know, changed his situation substantially, but this is the type of thing when I talk about momentum that reels back in those fans that are like the past couple of years, like, you know what? I got shit to do, man. Well, like, and that that's the thing is like, if you're really good, I'll, I'll look past the fact that it's nine o'clock on a Tuesday and I'm watching you play Tulsa. Right. Because I'm, because I'm excited about how good you are. If you're not great, like, you know, let's be honest. Like I'm not, it's not appointment television. To, to sit down and, and watch a, you know, UC two-lane game. Right. Well, it, that's all about to come to a complete end. Exactly. Thank God. Where, yes, I will be, you know, you'll be much more excited because the game is better and, you know, and, and that element. But you're also hopeful that you're also excited because the team is a lot better. So, you know, right. if the team is, is not, is middling or not, what you want it to be like it's tough to carve out a few hours to to watch some of the stuff that uh <laughs> has been going on the last couple of years and that type of energy is the only way you're really gonna like get people back engaged to get people back feeling involved like, we had almost 200 people watching live last night pardon the punctuation like that shows something like a Jizzle James commitment, like really injects some energy into the fan base. 
Having a guy like Edger and James around does a lot to inject, you know, energy into the fan base. Just another one of those things that goes to the vision of of Wes Miller and and what um, what he sees. And and I I I don't know if you feel like I feel about this, but like with Wes, you're seeing a guy that lived that North Carolina experience and saw what it took to win, what, what high level teams look like. And now he's trying to build that in, in his image here, much like Luke Fickle saw what it took to win and be a high level program at Ohio state and built the football program in that image over the past six years here. I think you're seeing a very similar thing with Wes and basketball that we saw with Luke and football. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's super encouraging because we know the the financial constraints that the, the the athletic department as a whole is under, and yet, at least in football and basketball, it, it appears on the surface. Now I'm sure they're they're you know they're not getting every little thing that they truly truly want. They're not getting Ohio State and North Carolina money. But like it sure seems like the department is is allowing them and and giving them the opportunity to. To, to do the things that they feel are truly, truly important to, in Luke's case, to sustain success and in Wes's case to build and and match, try to match the success of football. And then obviously that's only going to go up, you know, tenfold in the next couple of years. But, you know, I think that's part of the reason that UC is in the position that they're in and in the position that they were in to join, be able to join the big 12 is that, you know, we're seeing it with a lot of, uh, you know, other AAC or other smaller conferences. Like they just aren't. They're dying to, on the vine. Right. They aren't able to fund. They, they either aren't able to, or they don't want to. Um, they don't see it as value. Like, you know, it's it's only gonna. You know, yes, the SEC and the Big Ten is is truly going to be a power too. But there is a lot of space and a lot of opportunity to be in that very next rung and maybe be at the top of that next rung. And I think the Big Twelve and what UC is doing and and has been doing is going to position themselves to to hopefully have sustained success uh, even when they do join the Big Twelve. I, I, I think it shows to like what'll be interesting is we've seen them do so much more with less. What are they what are they gonna be able to do when they have more? Like when they're on, I won't say equal footing, but they're on much more significant footing. Like I I I, I Wes has had the jet or a jet access more than any time, anyone like any, I, I, probably more than Mick was ever on a private jet. Right. Wes has been on a private jet, like all, all summer and, and fall. I think, um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, is your support staffs and your assistant coaches and your recruiting budgets and going out and hiring a Drew Adams. Right. And I mean, we joke about like, you know, all of, you know, there was that picture of the Florida, um, 
football like team picture where there were like more people in polos than there were in jerseys. Yeah. But I mean, like, that's where it's going. Like, you need like we kind of laugh about it because we've been doing, as you said, more with less, but like that's the difference. Like when you have all those people and they can be singularly focused in certain elements of whatever it is that you want them to do, you know, whether it's self scout, uh, scouting, recruit, advanced scouting, advanced scouting, recruiting, player development, like, you know, analytics, all those things like, and you can hire someone specifically to do those things. I mean, it, it makes a huge difference. And I think that's where you'll see the majority, you know, I've, we've talked, I've talked to Anthony, we've talked to John, like their investment is in people. They well, just they, think about, they feel like the money is best spent hiring smart, you know, innovative people and not necessarily like building this or, or adding this thing to this room. You know, it's about people. Think about the support staff, Dave, for basketball. You know, I have Drew Adams, who spent eight years on staff at Bradley. He worked at several other Power Five programs on his way up, uh, working, you know, not as in a, a bench assistant role, but working up like as a director of ops and and scouting and doing all that stuff. You have Chris Lepore, who was on Wes's bench staff at Greensboro. Uh, Aaron, can you fill in real quick? I'll be back in a second. <laughs> uh oh. Aaron? I think Aaron's Aaron. gone. Aaron. Should, should I live broadcast the UCF SMU game? <laughs> well, I don't know what uh, where Chad had to go, and I don't know where Aaron is, but Chad was making a point about support staff, and that is. That's the that's the next step for the the athletic department as a whole. Uh, let me let's see. Do we have any? Let's see if we can have any questions in here while while I'm running solo here. Uh, also helps when you get one prized recruit to commit com- creates a domino effect. UCF super fan. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's momentum builds off of what other players see going on. You know whether it's Rayvon has been active on social media, you know, talking up Jizzle James, talking up Isaiah Collier, Arrington Page, like all of those things, that momentum feeds people, especially kids. They want to be a part of, you know, as the staff has coined it, the movement. Like they want to be like, well, what am I missing? Like, yeah, UC's recruiting me. Like I need to give them another look. Like what are they what am I missing if I don't end up uh, going there? And, you know, it does. It has a domino effect. So, you know, you keep the momentum going. And now that we're getting into the season, hopefully the actual play on the court helps keep that domino effect going and build build momentum. And, and you know, teams are talking about look at how good the – or, you know, people are talking about look at how good the Bearcats are playing on the court. Plus they've now got this recruiting momentum. You know, they're going to be – a team that is is in a good position as they transition into the Big 12. So, you know, it all kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, Let's see here. Yes, uh, Alex, you will be able to 
rewatch this later on our the Bearcat Journal YouTube page. You know, subscribe to that. Uh, the links will be on Bearcat Journal as well. And yes, I do remember you uh, from my time at Amazon. I hope you are are doing well. Uh, you know, if you're still there, if you've moved on somewhere else, uh, all the best, and thank you for uh, tuning in. Let's see, we've got, uh, we'll do a quick update. We've got SMU fourth and goal going to attempt a field goal playing at UCF tied at 10. What an exciting game. UCF did do one of the silliest plays I've ever seen earlier. They ran a double reverse and flipped it back to the quarterback who then threw a screen pass and they lost five yards. So, that was quite entertaining. Field goal is good. SMU 13, UCF 10. Three minutes to go in the half. Um, so let's see here. Yes, as of now, we have a better 23 recruiting class than Kansas and Baylor. That is a plus. You know, as you said, as of now, I think that'll continue to grow. I mean, oh, look who look who joined us again. I it was um it was Somebody I hadn't talked to calling to check on Kelly and make uh, sure we were okay. Wonderful. So I had to, I had to take that one for a, for a quick second. You did a wonderful job. Oh, I'm sure I did. Out. I'm sure everybody was just gripped. I, look, you're, <laughs> you're the host of the most popular show on this network right now. You've got that to hang over my head. I mean, I get, I get, is that, is that true? I don't know. Or you're right there. You're like all three shows are actually really, really close. Um, so that's kind of the, the the power of Bearcat Journal. Like a lot of places when you start a show, it takes a long time for that people ramp are, up people period. People are being very nice. So I, I hope that has, you know, I hope that continues. Dave, you know, if they didn't like it, it's the internet. It's, you would yeah. hear this show sucks. Yeah. So get that they, guy, are get being, that guy people, off of here. People are being grossly nice like i think it's just me and it's it's all the me and not you factor oh absolutely i mean People i am been kind of waiting for a show without me Kath, kathy hasn't been around lately to oh. for us to make fun of you so I, i've i've been missing her so Fine. <laughs> um for you yeah you're like gonna talk about like the support staff you have you have like we talked about Chris Lepore, who was on staff, like on the bench staff with Wes at Greensboro and came here in an operations role. You have Jake Thielen, who was the director of operations at Georgia and Indiana before that, who is here in an operations role. You have DeMar, who could, you know, a lot of places would take a chance on a guy like DeMar and give him an opportunity to be a bench assistant. You know, in the early in the early, early stages of his career, and now you got Drew Adams, who spent eight years at Bradley, uh, worked in ops at, at Indiana and a couple other places. Like that, if that's your support staff, you're playing from a position of strength. And then you've got what what is showing to be one of the best young recruiters in the country in Andre Morgan, one of the best recruiters in the country in Chad Dollar. And then Mike Roberts, who has done it at multiple stops at a high level. So, and, and like, this is where I think to get into the Drew Adams thing a little bit more, 
I think this is kind of the thought process, and I've touched on this a little bit, but we'll we'll expand on it here some. Um, I think they took a look at what you were able to do with Andre Morgan and Chad Dollar in the South, especially Georgia and Florida and, you know, those places where they're able to, like, work in, in unison. Dollar is the guy that that has a lot, you know, his dad's been a high school coach, you know, his whole life. Um, that upbringing in the in that basketball community in the South, he knows a lot of the coaches, a lot of the the where the juice is. Coach Morgan is a younger guy, like in a position where he knows maybe a lot of the AAU guys, maybe a lot of the workout guys, and they've been able to surround recruitments. They've been able to work from different angles and different strengths where normally you're you're working like you haven't if you've made it into a into a like power position with a kid, it's because you've got an end somewhere, right? Well, what happens when not only does one coach have the end with the AAU guy and the workout guy, but the other coach has an end with Maybe it's the parents. Maybe it's the high school coach. Maybe it's an uncle. Like, and and now all of a sudden you've got it kind of surrounded because these people are going to know one thing and these people are going to know like some, some different information and you're getting all the information that way. And I think that's like, you don't see, that's not something like recruiting when, when coaches think of recruiting, Dave, they think, all right, I'm going to need, we need one guy in Georgia where we want to focus. We need one guy with ties in, you know, maybe North Carolina where we're going to focus. And one guy with ties in, say, Indiana. And all three are individually working right. their, their area, but they're maybe not necessarily able to, like, help each other. Mm-hmm. Sure, maybe, like, you'll have this coach because he coaches the guards get involved with, you know, the, the guy from Georgia coaches the guards and you're recruiting a guard from Indiana. So that coach gets to know the kid because he's going to be coaching him directly. But I think with now, when you add Drew Adams into the fold, now in the Midwest, you can have Mike Roberts and Drew Adams working together in the Midwest. And then Chad Dollar and Andre Morgan working together in the South. And then you still have Wes Miller, who's got all his connections like in North Carolina. And now you're just working from a position of strength and able to go into some of these high level recruitments armed to fight. You're not bringing a a rock to a machine gun fight. Well, I think you're also, you're, you're seeing the plan being put into place when you're not having to uh, put a team together, you're building now. You're building a roster. Like it's you know, I just think everything is 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 tough to see what the vision is that first year, especially with the portal and how many guys can leave. You know, how many more guys are leaving at a time now than even two or three years ago? Where like you know what what those guys were doing recruiting initially that was just to get a, a roster yeah that make sure that, they had a team on the floor that wasn't necessarily like probably the plan 
right. on how they wanted to do things. That was an, a, a, out of necessity. So, right. so now you're seeing that, you know, how that works and how they want to attack certain things. And, you know, so I think it's just super encouraging because, you know, especially with Ravon and Jizzle, like those are two dudes that a lot of teams would have, would have liked to have had. Absolutely. And you're, you know, I, I, I hate to use the word selling. You're not selling, but like you, you've, they've, they're believing in, in what you're doing, regardless of like what you did on the court last year. And regardless of like, yeah, we got one more year in this conference and you guys aren't even going to play in it. But like, I, I still, I'm still sure that that's, you know, being used against them in the sense of like, well, they're not going to be ready. Like I'm sure other coaches are like, well, they're not going to be ready to, to yeah. play. Like you're going to struggle. You know, you should come here because we're going to be, we've been established in the ACC or the big 10 or whatever have you. And, you know, those two guys have, have jumped in and, you know, I think that says things to other top end players that like these these guys know what they're doing. We believe in them. We trust them. And you know, you you know, you should come here with us. For sure. I mean, that's without question. Um, one of the things that makes this so exciting, as you're seeing Wes get his feet under him and really start to like put his foot on the gas, because I think that's just now what we're seeing like through the end of the summer and into the fall like this guy feels like he's he's pedal to the metal let's get some of this we've done a lot of good work we've built a lot of relationships but that's not enough it's time to turn those relationships into commitments and 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 really put something on paper as we go into this that signing day coming up in november that even if it's just Jizzle and Ray, that's okay, man. That's okay. And and, and Jacob says um, Rayvon and Jizzle remind him of Wiley and Van uh, back in eighteen. I, I don't think that's a, a terrible comparison. Um, both of those guys highly thought of. A lot of people after them. A lot of different, you know, options that they had, places that they could go, destinations that they could have called home. Uh, obviously, it's a little different because both of them were local, um, and Jizzle's obviously not. But I think there's, at least in terms of Jizzle, there's obviously some familiarity. His AAU guy that he he like, Steve Reese has been involved right. in developing Jizzle since sixth grade. And his dad spent most of his professional career in Indianapolis, which is not a whole lot different than Cincinnati. No. In terms of, you know, just the, what it is as a city. <clears throat> so I, I, I don't hate that comparison. Um, <clears throat> I, I like it from the, and I know where you're coming from, I like it from the perspective of Josh and Malik built momentum. It allowed other kids to think, okay, that's that's a that's that's an acceptable thing to do. 
that's not just a place that's like living off of, you know, mid and low three stars and trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Mm -hmm. It was, no, that fickle guy, you know, he, he looks like he's the real deal. He's starting to get some momentum there. I think in basketball, it's creating a Wes Miller starting to get some momentum there, starting to get some dudes on the roster, starting to get some length and some athleticism and starting to evolve what Cincinnati wants to be into the modern age of basketball, which I think was sorely needed. So let's, let's talk momentum. Uh, obviously, we've mentioned that Florida Madunga, 2024 top five player, uh, out of Kokomo, Indiana, on campus yesterday. Out of the Congo. <laughs> well, I mean, he's living in Kokomo. Correct, correct. Uh, on campus yesterday, I won't ask you how his visit went, because... It, it went great. <laughs> it went great. They always do. Well, they're not always, but yeah, nine yeah. times out of ten. Uh, but just anything... I know there's been a lot of talk about him and because of his association with Drew Adams. Anything you know, worthwhile adding at this point? Um, th this is something I put on the board today, and I think it's important to get out into the fan base. Um, so I first saw Flory in April, and I've told this story. I walked in, I told it last night. I walked into the gym. It was the first game I watched this spring. And within 30 seconds, I like, it, it, you can't help but your eyes are just drawn to this long, super athletic 6'10 kid that's blocking every shot and dunking everything like in sight. That weekend, and I, and I talked to a lot of people about him that weekend because if you remember, I put on Twitter, it's, it's always fun when you walk into the gym and the first kid you see is a potential lottery pick that essentially nobody in the country knows about. Right. That tweet was about Flory Badunga. Everybody had the same thing to say. Well, what's up with this kid? Well, that's already that's already kind of a foregone conclusion. Whoever hires, you know, whatever staff Drew Adams is on is where this kid's going to go to school. So I think that explains, and it was common knowledge. Like, literally, everybody you talk to around that situation had that to say in April. Because at that point in time, I think it kind of was like, there was a comfort with the family because of the connections to AAU and because of the connections to helping him get over from Africa. There's a, you know, a, a level of like, I know these are people that have my back because they've had my back in this process, especially when for these African kids, uh, this is lo logical, right? Dave, they are thousands and thousands of miles away from their family. Yeah. So they're obviously going to trust the people that have helped them become, you know, whatever they're becoming in this situation in America. But you go through the summer and all of a sudden this isn't a kid that's pretty good. It's becoming abundantly clear every time he takes the floor, he's a whole lot better than pretty good. Yeah. Now he becomes a top five recruit. Well, guess what happens when you're a top five recruit? You have all of the options. You don't have some of the options. You have all of the options. 
all of those things I just said about his relationship with, with Indiana Lead and Mark Adams and A-Hope, the program that brought him over, all of those things are still true. And do I think Cincinnati has put themselves in a great position in the recruitment of Flory Badunga with Drew Adams on staff? Absolutely. But it's it's not what we thought it was in, in, in April, right? What we thought it was in April was like, okay, this is a four-star, top 75 kid. You know, a lot of these things go this way where there's somebody that's got the juice and if, if that guy that's got the juice is is added, you know, it's a it's a foregone conclusion. Flory's going to get to make his own decision here. And he's a really sharp, really smart kid. Um, do I think Cincinnati has, has enhanced their place in the uh, pursuit of Flory? You would be an idiot not to. But do I think it's as simple as it was in April and May? When everybody just was like, ah, he's going where Drew's going. Well, no. No, I don't think it's that simple anymore. It doesn't matter, like, who's offered him on his profile page. Like, if he picked up the phone tomorrow and was like, Coach Cal, I want to come to Kentucky, pretty sure Coach Cal would take him. Or if he called John Shire, like, so it doesn't doesn't Here's the other thing about that. He's a phenomenal kid. Like, Super smart, obviously speaks a bunch of languages, driven. Like any coach in the country is going to jump out of their chair if this kid called and said, I wanted to come play for you. Right. It's not, I, I only say that because like there are situations where some of these kids that are in the top 10 or five are, are shitheads. Oh, yeah. And there are coaches that are like, I'm not, or the people around them are shitheads. And I'm not putting up with that. That's, you know, keep it away from my program. That's not a Flory Badunga situation. He's a phenomenal kid from all accounts. So he was on campus. And then this weekend, it sounds like Ray Vaughn and Jizzle will be on campus again, along with Tyler uh, McKinley. Is that right? Ray Vaughn and Tyler will be official visits. Um, Jizzle is coming up on his own dime. And then there's a top 50 2025 from Indiana coming over Malachi Moreno. Okay. Unofficial, I assume. Can't even take yeah. Can't even take an official yet, right? If you're a 2025. Not, yeah, not until your junior year. Yeah. Malachi Moreno is um the uh he's the 45th rated player in the country on 24/7 Sports. Uh, number two player in Kentucky, what, uh, number what 10 a- center. What AAU program does he play for? I'm looking for that. <laughs> I thought you would just automatically say Indiana Elite. I, I don't watch a whole lot of uh, 2024. Well, I know. I just didn't know if someone in talking about him told, has told you. No, I don't. I don't know. It's a fairly new name, and unfortunately, my week has been a little uh, oh, yeah. up and down. Um, he might be, he might be, no, oh, well, uh, that's not the one I can take that down real quick, Aaron. Now Aaron's here. 
Sorry, there's been some baby things going on. I know. I just I needed you for a second. You were you had bounced for a sec. Hey, good Dave. I don't know what does that say. Indiana Elite. Oh wow! What do you know? <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah, yeah. I thought he might. A lot of the Kentucky kids lately are playing for uh, Midwest Basketball Club. Yeah. So I thought he might be a Midwest Basketball Club kid, but now he's uh, he's Indy Elite. So funny, funny how that works out. The Indiana and Purdue folks have not been happy today, Dave. Oh, really? Yeah. Guess what? You too could have hired, hired two Adams. <laughs> that that was that was an option. Like if you wanted to be creative, if you like if you like playing the game, because it, here's the other thing, Dave. Like college basketball is changing. This is the thing too, though. That like that I always laugh about, especially when we talk about football, is like, what are you doing with all that extra Big Ten network money? If you're not right. going to just go spit, buy, you know, hire Drew Adams. Like, are you just not, are you not smart enough? It's a great question. Are you not smart enough? Are you not creative enough? Are you not, you know, are you, you know. A lot of times, more than anything, what it is is. Are you worried about how it's going to piss off your current assistants? There's not enough um, comfortability, familiarity, trust in coaching staffs. Which is wild to say because they all, they only hire guys that they claim that they have known forever or have great relationships with. So if you have, you're always afraid if you're the coach, somebody's coming for your neck. That's just like, that's just reality. It's, I think it's backwards thinking. It's like, if I can hire another person that helps us be even more successful, no one's going to be coming for our neck. There are four guys in the support staff at Cincinnati that are are good enough, and a couple of them have have already done bench assistant positions. Right. That are comfortable enough in their own skin to say, I'm getting paid well. I, I love the staff. I love the people I'm working with. I love the direction that we're going. I'm happy here. Let's build this thing in rock and roll. It's just not normal. It's not normal around the country, man. You know. Coaches yeah. can be neurotic, man. Can be. I mean, they pretty much, you know, they all are on some level. I've seen less of it with with this basketball and, and conversely with, with some oh, of this football staff. For sure. I mean, but like. Than I've ever experienced in my career of dealing with. And I'm not, and I th- I'm not even saying that is like a detriment. Like you have to be. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. And you have to be somewhat of like an egomaniac and a little bit, you know, have a little bit of those characteristics. Like that's how you got to these places in your life in the first place. Right. I I think the interesting thing we've learned from Wes and Luke is that you don't necessarily have to be neurotic. You just have to be ultra competitive. Like, losing has to just eat at your soul. And both of those guys are like that. They just happen to be normal dudes outside of the wins and the losses. Right. Um, I, I don't have a ton else on basketball. No, I mean, I um, think, you know, we've, you know, there's anything with, 
Isaiah Collier or Arlington Page, like uh, that stuff's been talked about enough and it doesn't seem to be any, you know, obviously Isaiah has his, his set, a date. set of date is not for another over a month and Arlington's doesn't seem to be super, super close. Um, there, there was actually some thought that like it, it could be coming soon. It seems like it's not going to happen. It's like there, there was some thought that come back from the USC visit that was over the weekend and then within a week or so make a commit. I don't think it's going to be within a week or so. I think it might play out a little bit longer. But in my opinion, Dave, that's not a terrible thing. Because if, if he came home from USC and he was ready to commit, like, oh yeah, two days later, I wouldn't feel great about that. No. So maybe there is, like, maybe now these two, Collier and Page, are getting on the same page. No pun intended. Um, in terms of like, let's let's if we're going to go together, let's. You've set a commitment date. I'm at the end of my process. Yeah, we're going to go somewhere together. Let's work this out and and see if it is the best place for both of us. Do I still think? Am I leaning that it's probably more slightly more likely USC than UC? Yeah, I, I, that's my gut instinct. Um, but that's just a gut instinct because, as I've said, neither have made decisions. So that's just me reading the tea leaves and guessing. I'm okay with saying that, that if I had to guess, that's what I would guess, but that I don't know. Um, guys can sign November 9th, I think, is the first day of the signing, the early signing period. It goes November 9th through November 16th. And then it opens up again in the spring for like a month mm -hmm. in April. So that's when they can sign. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I got on recruiting. Hopefully, we get Kelly home soon so I can start going to practice. I'm tired of sitting at the hospital every day. Sure, sure you are. Watching um, the Halloween baking championships. Oh, with Kelly. Who's well, I. Yesterday, yesterday Jesse, was, Jesse Palmer hosting this. Uh, I don't really. I just what I'm on my phone. <laughs> Shit, that's what it's what it's what she finds um, easiest to sleep to. Yeah, to like just sit there and like nod on and off. So you get to watch uh, that, and I'll I'll play with my phone. Exactly. Um, <laughs> So hopefully I'll get to practice here very soon and be able to have a lot more information there. And like I said, the plan right now, next week, by week, hopefully we don't have a lot to talk about with the USF game that we'll get to, to talking about here in a moment. <laughs> uh, but I think Tobes is going to join us next Wednesday night to, uh, to talk nice. some I. And we can talk locker room and we can talk his his thoughts. He's on campus every day now working different construction projects. Um, so I, I'm excited to have Tobes back on. We haven't had him on uh, for a little while. So that's uh, that's kind of the, the guest uh, path next week because I thought next week would be a good week to uh, oh yeah to have somebody on. And then not this Monday, because we'll recap USF, but the following Monday, the Monday after the bye, 
I believe we're going to get a uh, O'Brady to pop back in oh, nice. for his his midseason appearance. They don't like yeah. him on after games because you know Brady likes to likes to talk, likes to <laughs> get fired up. It's best to have him on in a week where there's no game to talk about, so right. we can just talk about where thing where he sees things uh, at this point in the season. And oh, tomorrow night, Dave. Tomorrow night, Rock of Truth, right here on this. YouTube channel, Dylan O'Quinn. Oh, all right. Jabari Taylor last week, Dylan O'Quinn this week. Sometimes when you got a former player pod, they got a little juice. That's right. They call their buddies and say, come on our podcast. That's right. So uh, looking forward to that. The content, <laughs> I feel bad, like I can't even take credit for like, you guys are just, we are, we're in a good spot content wise. We're in a really good spot. We're having, um, we're having fun. That's, why it works we're having a good time um i like i legit they got it cleared yeah well i got it cleared they hit me up tonight and said you know can we can you get it cleared for me to have dylan on and uh <laughs> what jake just can't make a call um I, I i for now i'm handling it i'm working on with passing that. that off yeah to sopco so sopco can deal with it uh but it's just been easier right now for well, me yeah. to just take care of it um uh but we're we're having a lot of fun with the with the BCJ podcast. Hey, it helped, you know, it, it's when 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 the momentum is good and people exactly, are winning like, and everybody's happy. <laughs> Tuberville and Brandon were the coaches. I don't think we'd be having podcasts every night. <laughs> we might be. The mood would be a lot different. For my yeah, own would, no one would be watching. That's also it'd, well. It'd no, like Aaron, you'd uh, be surprised. It'd be like, oh yeah, it'd be like the. I mean, guess what? Bearcat brunch did the most views. Arkansas. Arkansas. People, people love to be miserable, man. They want to now. They wanna, when things don't go good, they want their opinion on why it's not going good. Ver, you know, verify. They want affirmation that what they're seeing is correct. And and what are the the largest um, in terms of the message board world? Oh, team site world. The largest uh, times of growth, coaching searches. When is this clown getting fired? And who do we got next? Well, I mean, if. If we just go by like the last 10, 15 years, every Auburn site has to be like the biggest site on any network because there's always something going on at Auburn. <laughs> so Auburn undercover is, is massive. Did you know at one point they had Tommy after Tommy got fired at UC, Tommy was writing for Auburn yeah. undercover, uh -huh. like a, co a column a week or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You think that would have worked here if I'd have hit Tommy up and be like, "Hey, can you uh, you do some content for us, buddy?" Yeah, I'm sure everybody would have loved it. Yeah. <laughs> when when are we gonna do the Tommy Tuberville, uh, like guest the guest show? Tommy yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think Senator Tuberville is gonna be coming on any Bearcat Journal podcasts in the near future. You underestimate my relationship with Tommy Tuberville. I think I yeah. could get him on. Well, I don't know that anybody would want me to get him on. Yeah, I don't think anybody would care. <laughs> right? I think I could get him on. You don't think it would be interesting that for his thoughts about what went wrong? 
Yeah, I'm sure you'd be super transparent about that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, when are we going to be able to swing Dan Simon? Dan's I mean, been Dan's been pretty elusive lately. That, that world's pretty quiet right now. There's there's not a whole lot. Uh, Is whole this lot. like in the realignment world? Do those guys take the season off because? Not much happens like during the season. Like the well, I don't their, know. I mean, their uh, season is the end of the season to the start of the next season. The Big East news back in the day broke during, broke during the season. Oh, yeah, during a game. Yeah. So I don't know. It just it just seems uh, seems like things are maybe you know if they're happening, they're happening on the uh, on the outskirts. We'll see. The periphery. Yes. Uh, um. Let let's uh, let's timestamp that. If you'd like to sponsor, we, we've gotten away from this. If you'd like to sponsor the timestamps, this is what it, this is the place that it would happen when we transition from one topic to the next. We've talked basketball and basketball recruiting for the first 57 minutes. Now we're going to switch gears and talk a little uh, football. Yes. Is there anything left you have to say about Tulsa? Uh, Screw you guys! I'm going home. Not really. I mean, I would. I would just say that also, if you're, you know, if you're interested in uh, sponsoring the the college the college football segment or the Bearcats in the NFL segment on the uh, Bearcat brunch, though, you know, we'd be more than more than happy to to bring you on board. Um, I don't have really anything to say about the Tulsa game. I mean, can we can we talk about the Ivan Pace PFF grade. Yeah, well, yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with the Tulsa game, does it? Well, I mean, it happened in the Tulsa game. I thought that was on the season. No, that was the Tulsa game. Oh, that was just strictly the Tulsa game. Okay. No, those numbers I gave you were just for the Tulsa game. Okay. Okay. Um. But yeah, of course we can. Uh, I will say I did listen to a Tulsa podcast that it was it was refreshing that they described the the level of you know animosity or chippiness as as very equal which was not like the work like a lot of the other fan sentiment seemed to be that these these big bad bullies from Cincinnati came in town and and you know did all these terrible things to our players and and whatnot like it was nice to finally hear like a opposing team being like yeah both teams were were kind of you know, it's exactly what we talked about on this show last week. Tulsa wants to fight, and Cincinnati's okay with fighting. Yeah, like okay, you want to fight? Let's fight. At some, but, it's, and at some point, having better players matters. Right. You could, They're the two guys in the bar that when you see them like go nose to nose, you're like, all right, we, we got to fight. The, one of these guys is not backing down. One of these guys is not being like, no, let's cool. It's cool, man. It's cool. Yeah. Both of them are like nose to nose with their fists clenched, waiting for like, you know, a chance to swing. For sure. We know that. That that's yes. It is refreshing to hear a site say, and, and I'm not like I do think some of the stuff Tulsa does is borderline dirty. Oh, it's not borderline dirty. It's it's dirty. But 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 you know that going in. Like you yeah, know. they're, they're tight. I mean, even they were talking about how like their tight end forty seven, that guy that dropped the. Oh, I think their fans hate him. 
they were the the two guys were like, yeah, we thought for a while that whatever his name was, it kind of like turned the corner and wasn't that dude anymore. But well, he sure still is. Mm-hmm. It's like so, you know, they, you know, they, they know and they, you know, and I don't have a problem with it. I just thought it wasn't, you know, officiated evenly. I did right. I think I was glad to see the holds finally got started call started getting called at the end. Yeah. Because they were mugging people all day. Oh, we might um, have a UCF on the doorstep. Yeah. Chance, chance to take 17-13 lead. Um, well, running back extraordinaire, John Rice Plumley down to the one. Uh, Ivan Pace Jr., week five. You are our analytics nerd. I am. Explain how ridiculous a 95.3 pass rush grade is on PFF. I mean, I don't – it's just ridiculous because it's 4.7 points away from being perfect. I don't know right. how they calculate their pass rush grade. You know, they're obviously isolating watching him on each play, and he's obviously not rushing the passer on every play. Uh, even on every passing play, he's probably not rushing the passer, so you're looking at opportunity versus whatever they grade as – doing what he's supposed to be doing or winning his rep or however they look at it. Um, you know, right there, they have pass, pass rush win rate at 50%. So, I mean, he seems to be rushing the passer a lot. So if you're beating a, an offensive lineman as a linebacker or whatever the opponent's trying to do to you, that's, that's pretty damn good. I can't imagine, you know, you look at like in the NFL pass what, Pass rush win rate is, you know, I know I think what Trey Hendrickson in the game uh, against the Jets where he had the two and a half sacks and the two forced fumbles. I want to say his pass rush win rate was in the low 30 percentile. 50% is absurd. So obviously he's rushing a lot more as a defensive end. I mean, he's literally rushing on practically every passing attempt. But uh, even if even as a linebacker, if you're winning every oh, 50% other pass rush, is, is an absurd number. I mean, you're talking about Trey Hendrickson's one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL, and a 30, 32, 33% win rate is is outstanding. So you're talking about 50% is is psychotic. Ten quarterback pressures in one game. Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted the other day on the Baker Journal account that Ivan Pace has more sacks than eleven teams. And he's tied with like, I want to say like 10, 10-ish teams at six. So like he has as many or more sacks than what would that be? You know, say it's 20 out of 130, you know, roughly like a sixth, the seventh of college football. On the season. Right. Not, a, not a game, not like a, a small sample size. Yeah, like there, there's about they're one game th- away from half the season. Twenty to thirty teams that have as many or fewer sacks than he does. That's hard to even get your brain around. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Like I, I, it's I can't remember the the last time. <laughs> Bear, relax. I can't remember the last time I was this high on a guy coming into the season and was still way off. Yeah. I mean, way we're, off. We're way off. And then 
he's now got five weeks of tape out on him, and obviously the opponent has to deal with it, right? Sure. But, like, whatever they're trying to do is not working. So, like, how do you slow him down? And if you are committing even more resources than previous opponents have been committing to him, what does that mean for everybody else? Right. Or I look at it and we talked, we, you know, we talked obviously frequently outside of this podcast, but like if they're going to more times than not kind of rush him in a delayed sense behind, uh, behind Dante or Jawan, like, I'm not sure what else you can really do. Is there anything you can really do? I mean, you can give guard help, but then that just means that like Jabari's one-on-one with a tackle or Eric Phillips is one-on-one with a tackle or Justin Watley, you know, whoever. Like, And we're not talking, because Ivan's been so great and because the tackles have been so great, we're not talking enough about how much Jabari and, and, and Eric and Justin Watley and, and Noah Potter – those guys are winning a lot. Yeah, I mean, they had 10 guys that had at least a half a sack on Saturday. <laughs> That's usually a season, right? Like, yeah, I mean, there's our 10 guys that have sacks. They have, I think, 13 or 14 guys on the season that have at least a half a sack. And, you know, and I think, you know, the big question coming into the season was from our standpoint, like from a pressure. Can they get pressure? Perspective was, can they get pressure? How do you, what are they going to do without that prototype <laughs> edge rusher that Maje was? And can the guys that are the bigger defense? What are they going to do without a pass rushing nose like Curtis Brooks? Right. And I think what we've seen is, because we did not see this type of pressure, whether it was pressure, whether it was sacks, whether it was tackles for loss on last year's team. And... I think what's happened is part of it is the uncertainty with the defensive backfield, not saying that they've been bad, but just not knowing what you were going to get replacing the number four pick in the draft and the Jim Thorpe award has lent them to more pressure on, on the whole. Um, Trying to create havoc more so than last year and, and the year before last, I think, they looked at defense as we are so good that we don't have to do much. We can give the offense line up man on man. We can give the offense static looks and it's not going to matter. Like they don't have the talent or they don't have the scheme. It won't matter what they try to do because we just, our scheme is that good. Our players are that good. Yeah. And guess what you're seeing in the NFL? Confirmation that right. Sauce, Kobe, and and Cook were really, really damn good football players. This year, they're not static at all. I would love to see what the pressure rate through six game through five games is this year compared to last year. And teams aren't used to that. Like teams are are scheming personnel differences. Like they're throwing to this one to both sides of the field now, but they're not scheming to, to packages and to formations and scheme. They're scheming to personnel because you see scheme and packages 
is nowhere near what it was. It's two totally different things last year. And I don't know what the fuck Rhett Lashley is doing right now. <laughs> going for it on fourth and one from like his own 30. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, man? But whatever. Um, and, you know, you throw it and don't get it. So you deserve all of that. Um, but. And then UCF running a. Uh, uh, you're ahead of me. I'm watching. I've got it on. The I want to see your live reaction to this on first down from UCF. Oh, I'm sure it was a super cool play that Gus drew up. Are you where are you at? Are you, are you uh, there yet? No, we're still not there yet. Oh, I'm gonna wait. I, I don't want you to start saying something else. Okay, I'm, they're still not there yet. They're congratulating number four for his great tackle. And let's see, we got oh, they're not even lined up yet. Oh, we got another oh, another reverse pass. Oh, here comes like a nine yard loss. <laughs> You, they average like almost 300. This is where coaches drive me crazy. Like you just got a turnover. Huge momentum play. You average like 300, almost 300 yards on the ground. You have a great running quarterback. Why are you trying to run like a double reverse pass to your wide receiver? Like you have the momentum. Just bust it straight up the middle on them and, and go from there. Now you're out of field goal range and it's tw- second 15. Third and 14. They ran it one yard up the gut. So maybe they should have done that on first down. Uh, but back to the Bears. I, I could sit here and just watch you react to this game. Uh, back to the Bearcats. Like the scheme and the and what they're doing is totally different than last year. And I think that's you know I don't know if that's causing teams problems, but what 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 happened now? Sack on third and fourteen, loss of three. Yeah. So 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 SMU goes for it. Fourth and one from their negative 30 doesn't get it, and UCF goes backwards. Loses seven, seven yards. Seven yards. Yeah. Makes sense. I tried oh, to get in goodness. on the under on this one too, and my buddy couldn't get it in in time. It's looking like a really good play, but I mean, they'd uh, have to score 30 points in the next 24 minutes. Oh, it was, it was 63 and a half, 64 and a half. 30. Five points and then 34 points in the next yeah 24 and a half um but no i think it's super like we talked about like trestle i look if, if i'm giving a a five game like uh like unheralded guy we haven't really talked about much mvp type thing it's to mike trestle yeah i think there was a thought like if this defense doesn't isn't up to snuff, Mike Trestle is going to take a ton of heat. Well, and I guess what? It, what if what if I would have told you in the season preview show that through five games they were going to lead the country yeah, in mean, sacks with ten sacks a game? I, no, ten tackles for loss a game, or ten tackles for loss a game. Yeah, I did. You mean we'd all have been like you're two you're and a half wrong. sacks a game or whatever it is. You would because you would just be assuming like a bunch of dudes that we have no idea we're going to be able to pressure the quarterback. We're just all going to be able to pressure the quarterback, and, and right. I don't know, I'm sure that says a lot about us. It says I'm sure it says a lot about the lot the offensive lines we well, played. That was the number one question, the main question on defense. We know the secondary is going to be inexperienced. Right. Can they get after the quarterback? Yes, they're the number one team in the country at getting after the quarterback. I just like the fact, you know, 
What? What? what no, just what? Like that doesn't oh, make yeah. any sense. No, and I just like the fact that they've stayed true to that, no matter the down, no matter the distance. Like, we're just coming. Keep coming. These lines aren't good enough. These quarterbacks aren't good enough. Like, you know, last week, dude, had, Davis Brin had no shot back there. He had no oh, shot. Hey, that guy earned my respect. The, Oh, he was he was tough as shit, but he also might not play this week. And if they lose to Navy, then that's on Patrick. That's on Philip Montgomery. Well, yeah, that's not Davis Brent's fault. No. Davis Brent is going to play every snap you let him. No. We learned that with Tua. We learned I mean, that with Keelan Stokes. It feels like the D line is better than they like, are. It, it's not even. Like, it doesn't feel like it. Like it, it bears out in every stat that we had. They are better than last year. Rush defense better. Pass defense. Pass rush better. Like. Tackles for, great, loss, like, tackles for loss, more yards for play better. Like, sacks. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it feels like it is. I, I also think, again, the, the one thing we talked about this, this pass rush will be better if they're dominant at nose tackle. And they are absolutely dominant at nose tackle. Well, they're dominant at nose, nose tackle, and they're, uh, the linebacker play against the run has been really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. that, you know me. That's always been my concern with the three-three-five is that you you get there's space for fast running backs, and we'll see how that goes in the next couple of weeks. I mean, USF has a good one. Uh, I'm not sure about SMU. Uh, UCF has some speed guys and a, and a bruiser, so you know we'll see. Um, but like the defense has been. I don't. I don't think anyone could possibly through five right. games have been seen this coming. No, because what did we talk about? They needed to do it differently. They were going to probably. They, they weren't going to be. We're going to line up in man. Kobe Sauce, uh, Cook, Arquan. You're not going to be able. Like you're just not going to be able to throw on them. Well, You're going to have to run the even, ball. Even with the uncertainty in the secondary, they're like top five, top ten in opponent completion percentage. Right. So they're still holding you – know, they're going to get another one this week that's like a mid-50% passer. Like, you think he's going to go throw for more than 50%? Right. They've been great. Like, uh, Mike Tressel deserves more praise than, oh, yeah. than he's gotten. I think, you know, we, we just – the thing I think now is we just transferred defensive success to while well, Luke Fickle's the head coach. Yeah, but and, and Luke's very, and there's that there's well, part of that. Sure. Very very you know uh, involved in the defense. Royer confirmed that on Monday night. Like yeah, Luke Luke was super involved when Marcus was here. Of course he's going to be super involved with Tress. Like that, that's yeah. what he does. But I think we're seeing Tressel has a reputation as a guy with with a a great mind for creating pressure, whether it's exotic blitz, blitz packages or the way the, the line is stunting or moving or rolling, the way the linebackers are attacking, that is something that Mike Tressel has had a great reputation for. And now we know why. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're just, there's a lot of different pressure packages that they're, that they're using. And, and, you know, a lot of it, you're really able to do some wild stuff 
<clears throat> when you have a guy like Pace who can can rush. Did you see the play where he had his back turned at the snap? Yeah. So I was talking then, about on on Sunday morning, like he's he started to do this thing where he almost like turns his back, like he's walking back to more traditional linebacker position, and then right before, right as the ball is snapped, he like whips around real fast and just goes to wherever he wants to go. Like I don't think it's not like he's it doesn't even feel like he's very specific with it. Like it's just like who's here? I'll just try to get by that guy and. Yeah, he's playing pickup basketball on the football field. Yeah, he's playing backyard football. Like he's having so much fun. Like I'm so happy for that kid. Wait, how much fun would it? Like, if you're a defensive player, you're a D lineman or a linebacker. Like, how much fun is it when you're playing the game and like you know, like every snap, these guys can't block me. We might get a sack. Like every single snap. You're thinking about getting a sack. You're thinking about, you know, forcing a fumble or whatever. Like, it has to be so much fun to play that kind of defense. Like, you know. And if you're, you're in the secondary, you're on high alert because every throw might be altered by the quarterback getting hit and the ball yeah. just they flailing up in the air. Multiple opportunities to get interceptions if they would have been playing better defense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the ball hit off his helmet. You had the dangle one where he like he, he just—I don't know why he hit the guy. Yeah, he just was playing the man and not the ball, and just kind of got yeah. lost in, lost in space. But but yeah, um, it's a lot of fun to watch him. Um, and we'll see what happens this week. I mean, you. We guess we'll get into US, USF a little bit. Uh, um, real, I assume he's going to go to the draft this year, Ivan. I mean, I don't know. The, the, You're draft, the draft guy. In, he's starting to he's like pop up on some like, mid round stuff, but like, yeah, it's 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 way too early to even think to talk about it, and he's got a lot just going against him from a from like certain teams. He's not even draftable. Like, cause he just won't meet their thresholds, whether it's height, arm length, 40 time. Well, like it doesn't really cover. Right. So certain teams that are very analytical driven, very like, you know, they look at how many guys have ever been successful with at linebacker with shorter than this length arms or short, not you know, shorter than this height, like not even going to be considered. So I'm not even thinking about that stuff right now. It's just like, it's a lot of fun just watching him play, but you know, um, I want to give you some a couple numbers, and I want I want you to try to guess what these are. I, I they did they did Ivan for Wired Wednesday today. Oh, shit. Yeah, they did. I haven't. I, how no, was I haven't. It, I haven't it, seen it, it got posted while we were on the pod. Um, I'm gonna give you 30, 38, 7, 28, 0, 41, 7. What do you think those numbers are? UCF's losses or USF's losses? No, those are USF's half first half scores. First halves. I got it right. It, it took me took me a second, but I got they, it. Right. They've been a, a a feisty second half team. Now I'm not sure if that's because <laughs> the other team has their second and third stringers in. Just trying to run the clock out. Yeah, <laughs> but 
They have been, and they've been outscored 66-7 in the first quarter. Woo! So. And they're they're not going to be happy with the weather at Nippert Stadium. On oh, Saturday. no. It's a high of 58. Are you kidding? There's going to be heaters. That's you think you think they will have heaters in the middle of the day at six almost sixty degrees. Yeah, I I bet they do. The jet the jet engines. Uh, maybe the benches with the okay. The, the, the benches. I don't know the if they'll have the like, air blower ones with the big flames coming out the back, but uh, <laughs> but their their problem their defense is it's it's. There aren't there aren't adjectives available to describe how bad their defense is. The, the best way I can describe how bad their defense is that I was listening to a ECU podcast who they played this past week, uh, previewing the game with someone that covers USF in similar vein than we do. Yeah, and that person said that if ECU threw the ball more than fifteen times, they should fire their offensive coordinator. Now, I was listening to this after the game and knew that Holt Naylor's went 31 for 41 for 465 and six touchdowns. So I was laughing hysterically. And the reason he said that was that the week before, uh, Louisville ran for almost 300 yards. Malik Cunningham had three rushing touchdowns where he was not touched on any of them. Like, literally, they did not touch him on three rushing touchdowns. That seems hard to do. And then BYU ran for a bunch and Florida ran. So it sounds like you can do whatever you want. If we want to work on the run game for the first quarter and work on the pass game for the second quarter, uh, it sounds like they are, they're not. We're going to work on trick plays in the third quarter. They got beat. Four of the passing touchdowns apparently were in man coverage in the first half last week. So, Good dude, they're just running by DBs. Uh, they've got a lot Good of luck. injuries, especially in the secondary. Defensively, they are – Here, here's some, some numbers. Yards per play allowed, 7.15. That is 127th in the nation. Again, there are 131 Division I FBS teams. Yeah. Rush defense. 5.97 yards allowed. That's 129th. Pass defense. There's how many teams again? 131. Okay. So 129. Not not great, Bob. Yep, six yards of carry. Uh, they're giving up 8.5 yards per attempt. That's 117th. And their third down defense, which we have not been good at third down offense. Well, their third down defense is giving up 45% conversion rate which is 113th and we haven't been great third down defense well their third down offense is only converting 36% of the time which is 90th yeah so uh that said i do like some of their offensive talent uh brian batie running back averaging 7.7 yards per carry he's got almost 400 yards three touchdowns uh, Gary Bohannon transferred from Baylor, and it's interesting. Not many of our fans probably realize this, but like he transferred at, in the spring after they named Blake Shapin their starter. 
I'll never understand what happened to quarterback at USF and why they didn't Timmy McLean their entire wagon to McLean. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't want to be there. I don't know. I mean, he's like the second or third stringer at UCF now. Yeah, but but did he not look really good to you? He looks pretty good for either a freshman or redshirt freshman. Right, like a a guy that was really like had a chance to grow and come into his own. Like, I I know you're rebuilding and and, and you're establishing some things, but he could run. Like he threw it pretty well. I, I. I don't understand that. Yeah, I, I, right. I legitimately don't. Well, I don't understand it, too, from the sense of, like, Bohannon was the quarterback for Baylor when they go to but the he wasn't Big great. Well, that's the thing. He, he's the quarterback for Baylor and they go to the Big 12 Championship, but he loses his job, like, instantly after the season. Like, they yeah. named Blake Shapin the starting quarterback, like, going into spring practice. <laughs> And we've seen he's he's pretty good player for Baylor, and Bohannon just threw his first touchdown pass of the season this week. So I'm get like they have two pretty darn good receivers, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Horn Jr. and Xavier Weaver. Both guys had p- pretty decent games last year against UC. They've got some speed. I'm I'm imagining that their offense is going to be chuck it and run it, like a lot of quarterback run, a lot of other run and then try to get these guys singled up either on slants where they can run away from people. Jimmy Horn Jr. had like a 92-yard touchdown catch last week or where they can either do like a quick three-step and just throw it throw it up for grabs type situation. Right. Um, but, I mean, ECU had a 60-yard touchdown pass, a 74-yard touchdown pass, a 60-yard punt return. Their tight ends – had 11 for 128 and touchdown. So this could be a situation where you see Lenny and Josh maybe more involved than, than has been the case early in the season. Um, CJ Johnson, ECU's receiver that had that huge game against us a couple years ago, but then it's kind he of finally, he finally <laughs> was good again. He had seven catches for 194 and four touchdowns. That's the only good game he's had since that UC yeah. game like four years ago, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think. I think UC can name their score. I think UCF has some talent offensively that can put some drive, possibly put some drives together, get in the end zone. USF. USF, sorry. Um, they're the same thing to me. Um, but Tulane, Tulsa. Yeah, they're all the same. Uh, but defensively, they're they're an abject disaster. Like, they're bad. They've tapped horrible tackling this past week like i don't know what you try to fix like teams have been running on you at will and then you go into a game and a team throws for almost 500 yards like how do you come in the next day and go what are we going to try to fix did you see the jeff scott presser where he was like well oh i i can pull up his comment real quick because it reminded me very much of the tuberville Things are, you know, things are better now than when I got, you know, he is, he's panicking big time. I mean, it, it was. Pull a, it up. Read it. I want to hear it. It was, it was ver- like verbal diarrhea, um, like just ma- stuttering. And so 
he's talking about the East. I'll, I'll set the scene a little bit. He's talking about the ECU game and their slow starts and, and what happened. And so this is what he says. So Jeff Scott, but we gave up four touchdowns versus man coverage. If we give up three instead of four, and a lot of these were on third and fourth down, right? If we can defend one of those better than we did, right? That's one less touchdown they have, right? So that's one play. And then let's take the two series that we have inside the five-yard line right there in the first half and go with the five Gary's going in to score. The guy comes around, knocks the ball out, and we fumble, and we get no points there. The last drive offensively, we're going down to score, get five plays inside the five. We think we get over the pylon. We don't score. That's 14 points. So take away seven of those and add 14 of ours, and all of a sudden, now we're leaving the game by one. <laughs> now we're leaving the game by one with eight minutes to go. <laughs> like, it's almost impossible to make sense of that because he starts That out guy talking- should be in the Olympics for mental gymnastics. Yeah, he starts out talking about, like, how – we gave up four touchdowns in man coverage, but if we didn't give up, if we only gave up three, and then if we didn't fumble early in the game inside the five-yard line, this would have happened. But then he also at the very end is like talking about the last drive. We would have, you know, it's like then we would have onside kicked, and then if we didn't get the onside kick, if we get a turnover, it, it was just like, oh, my God. And someone like the – the um the USF SB Nation site, Daily Stampede, retweeted it and was like, every game is a one-score game if you really think about it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we just so didn't we, make those seven play, bad plays that led to those yeah. six touchdowns. Like, if we didn't give up those four passing touchdowns in the first half in man coverage and then didn't fumble on their <laughs> goal line and then – scored at the end and got an onside kick and scored again, we'd have only been down eight. I mean, and that's a one score game, Dave. Exactly. And then you're right in it. <laughs> Things are better than when I got here. I think they're one in like they have, they've beaten one FBS team since 2019. Ooh. Like they beat temple. Uh, not last year. I think in 20, 2019, maybe 2020. I don't even know. But yeah. Holly, that is outstanding. It is a math word problem. <laughs> like, if, that's if that. Two, if two trains leave Chicago at the same time, <laughs> one's carrying potatoes and the other one has 47 passengers, which one ends up in San Antonio first? <laughs> the final score of this football game was dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's... He, he's he he was. It sounded like a, a very desperate plea, and then he had a, a ramble about how, you know, well we you know this almost saying like this shouldn't be surprising because we've been like double digit underdogs in all these games, and it's just like, well, you know what exactly? You know, there's a reason you're under double digit underdogs. Like it it's I, I you know. They're kind of in no man's land. Like they're trying to build this on-campus stadium, but that's not going to be open for three or four years. Um, and they're, you know, they won one or whatever one game last year, two games last year. They're 
won and they, you know, they beat Howard this year. Someone asked him, someone asked him too about how like uh, have you thought about taking the ball first to try to like build momentum because you've been off to these like such slow starts. And he was like, "Yeah, we did that against Howard and threw an interception on the first drive." Like how Howard the Duck, Howard the Bison, like okay, the, the like, very the very mediocre FCS program. Um. So I, I asked Aaron this one night one night on the uh, AAC recap on these these you know schools with a, a name. Would you prefer? If you had to recruit all like all guys with the first name Howard, or what? What was it, Aaron? This sounds intelligent. It what? It was funny because I was messing with Aaron. <laughs> I don't even know at this point. I try to forget the AAC recap as soon as we record it. Okay, thanks. Appreciate you. Sorry. My retention for the AAC recap is zero. <laughs> there, I, I came up with something funny just to mess with them. Like it, it, all guys that have the first name Howard or like all like everybody on your team has to have the last name Howard. That's the only way you can recruit. You just have to have. Oh, no, it was one one guy named Howard or a team just full of Howards. <laughs> I, I don't know. That would be fun to recruit, like, right? Like, all right, we got to find all the Howards. Like, we can only re- we, we, either first name or last name because that one's kind of versatile. Like, you you catch a break there over like Lamar. That could right? be. I don't know. You might have better luck with Lamars. You might. You might. But at least like Howard is a last name too. Yes. Well, of course. But there's, there's not, not many a- Lamar last names that I don't know. No, probably not. But. Kendrick Lamar. Is that his real name? Does it matter? Kind of. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, that's cheating the system if you're allowed to recruit guys that can just change their last name to Lamar. Uh, if we're asking a sleep-deprived Aaron to remember things from a nightcap a few weeks ago, we're all in trouble. You're right there. I think Aaron's on day three straight. Of uh, Daddy Daycare. So, who, who could have possibly seen John Rice Plumley lighting up SME's defense through the air? I mean, it's SMU being SMU, right? I know, exactly. Uh, but, like, back to US. They stink. They stink. Like, they're not good. They're, you know, like I said, UC should be able to name their score. You know, this game is much more about us than them. It's much more about, you know, a continue. What do you see? What do we want to see? We want to see a continuation of the running game. We want to see a fast start. We want to see better execution on third down from the offense and defense. We want third see, down has to get third downs a fucking disaster. Yeah, Dave. We, we, both sides we, of the ball. We want to see. Uh, I'd say, person like I want to see fewer or none like. Mental penalties, pre-snap penalties. I don't care about the other ones. Um, and then I want to. See, we want to see what they do in the in the second half because that's been an issue the last two weeks as well. So, but all those things are are UC related. They're yes, the opponent can can dictate some of that, but this opponent is not good enough to dictate those things. Like 
I'll be very interested to see what kind of defense the USF lines up in. Like, are they going to try to stop the run or stop the pass? Right. Um, but I, w- I will say, I will, uh, my prediction will be, uh, let's see, I will predict 50, let's see, 59 to 17. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of points. I mean, USF, ECU put up how much, and I think we're a lot better than them. Yeah, but, I mean, they obviously kept the foot on the gas with with Well, no, they scored 41 in the first half. Yeah, but Holden Naylor's through for – like, did he throw all six of his touchdown passes were in the first half? I think five of them were. Okay. I think they were – I think they won 48-24, maybe? Okay. 48-28, something like that. So they only scored one touchdown in the second half? I think so. Well, that sounds just like Cincinnati. Right. So. Uh, let me let me uh, look real quick. But uh, yeah, it was 48-28. So they they only scored they scored a touchdown in, in the uh, third quarter. Yeah. All right. Uh, Simone family tailgate. What are we looking at for this week? Uh, like barbecue, sloppy jazz. Excellent recipe. And and a whole mess of... uh, They are good. We've had those before. We have. Uh, We have those every year. They are very good. There will be a a version of... uh, Non-onion version. Non-onion version for for me. Those uh, are just for me. They're not for anybody else. The expected temperature around kickoff is 58 degrees currently. With sunny skies. Jason said he'll try to say hi Saturday, Dave. There we go. I just hate that it's going to be a pants game where you have to actually wear pants and not shorts. According to who? It's not going to be. I mean, it's, it's good. the game will be over by 6 o'clock. Look, I have two and a half hour drive. I'm leaving at like 8 a.m. It's going to be cold. You you have heat in your car, right? Still, I'm I'm not gonna be wearing shorts. It's gonna be well, it's gonna be one, cold. One of us will be. It's stupid. <laughs> Aaron's, Aaron's so grumpy. It's, it's okay. Winter coat game for USF. Absolutely. I got Absolutely. I got extra confetti cannons this week. That, <laughs> you had to order a couple extra. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I usually we usually have five. We ran out against Indiana, so uh, what, what, you got you rocking six. I think we're gonna bring some extras to this week. All right, all right. What do we know of sides? Like we're just sloppy joes. I have no idea. I, 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 you know, I just bring the beer and I show up and I drink the beer and I eat the Jello shots and I eat the food and you can consume one plate of food. Generally, yes, because you're not greedy like that. And the Simone family tailgate is now kind of a big deal. Like, yeah, it's I mean, way Tonk, bigger Tonk, than I ever Tonk showed before. up. Tonk was there. Tennessee last, Bearcat was there. Game. Uh, we had we had Keith there. Stop by. Like it, it's a it's a it's a host of BCJ dignitaries 
that swing by the Simone only the, the the VIPs on, on, yeah. <laughs> only the truly you know elite of the elite do you think we're gonna get our like our our birthday our birthday guy is supposed to come up we we have we have promised his girlfriend when is that, when is his birthday I don't know she hasn't because my birthday hit, my birthday is Monday your birthday is coming up my birthday is the bye Monday. So I don't know if we're going to have some form of, of birthday cake or cookies or, or, or you know, what I don't know what, if there's something along those lines that's going to be going to be there. Um, I mean, so uh, the way I always remember it is you're the 10th, right? Correct. Mo is the third. I'm the 10th. You're the 17th. So we, we are three weeks in a row, the three of yes. us. It's, so, it, it's always very easy to remember my birthday when growing up, 10-10, so. Yeah. Um, who will be colder Saturday, Aaron or USF? USF, because Aaron's going to be wearing jeans. In in a climate-controlled environment. In the press box, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um. All right, well, that's the Simone Family Tailgate segment. We've done the USF segment. We've done Dave's prediction. We've done an hour on basketball. Thank God. Or this would have been the shortest BCJ podcast that we've done in many years. Yeah, we don't. We haven't gone more more basketball than football in a, in a long time. Congratulations to Wes Miller. At least not out of season. That's for sure. Right. I, I don't have any. Do you, do you have anything else you want to you want to talk about? Sometimes you have like. A, a thing or two you want to bring up at the end of the show? Um, I don't know. I think, you know, I think it's, this is just kind of like a bigger thing. And Luke actually touched on this in the, in his press conference this week. Because I asked him. And I think it's like, I don't know, man. I, I understand part of it, but like, I think it's super shitty when they fire these coaches, like right in, in season like this, like, you're basically telling like the players that play for your school that like we don't give Our a shit. Over. Yeah. We don't care about your season. Like, are, are you really, are you really that much more, like, screwed if you wait till the season's over? The only counter to the, to that I have is, if you know, do it. Well, yeah, and and the, the thing that's become popular now is like don't give him a chance to ri- rattle off a bunch of wins. But my thinking is is like rattling off four or five wins sh- at the rest that shouldn't of be a sh- bad thing. Shouldn't change the fact that you don't think he's a good coach anyway. Right. The Wisconsin thing, I don't understand. Like, here's here's my thing with that one. Like, okay, you want to make that move. Look at what Paul Christ has done and tell me with conviction and very little uncertainty that you think I, whatever he was there, eight years, nine years, tell me your next eight, nine years are going to be better than that. Right. They won what? Three big 10 West titles played in the, in the big 10 championship game. They were always they went to the they won the went to the rose bowl or won the rose bowl in like 2017 went like 12 and 1 13 and 1 yeah they they went to i want to say three big 10 championships if the 12 team playoff was a thing 
they would have gone to the playoff like five times over the last, like, I don't know if it was all under him. It had to have been under him because Gary Anderson was there before him, and that was a disaster. Um, so, like, you're what are you, you're gonna get you're gonna do better um i don't know i just it just and then the other thing that kind of that i'm kind of starting like thinking about is just hire dudes that have won who cares what level they've been at well that's I, there was a the thing i saw yesterday that talked about like leopold and all these guys Brian, like the Brian Kelly thing. Brian like Kelly. Brian Kelly Lance, was the Lance Grand Leopold, Kalen DeBoer at yeah. Washington was an incredible NAIA coach. Like, I always crack up, like, yes, in the SEC or the Big Ten, like, recruiting has a lot to do with it. But, like, your infrastructure and your process and all of that, it doesn't change based on how fast or big your players are. Like, if you have a right. winning process in a winning culture like Lance Leipold has won it Wisconsin Whitewater to a tremendous amount he won it like Buffalo. one of the most dominant programs at their level of the past yeah, division, decades. division three he won at Buffalo and now he's five and oh at effing Kansas man like ev- almost anybody should be looking at him and going like yeah we should hire him but no, they'll, you know, these Auburn will open up and they'll hire someone that's been an assistant in the SEC and, you know, because he it means you know, more, plays, it means plays more. tummy sticks with Jimmy Sexton and, right and you know, has been on this guy's staff and whatever. It's like, just hire dudes that have proven that they can win. But yeah, I just thought it's, you know, you've already got five guys that you know, and like Carl Durrell at Colorado, like that was a, a mess. They were the worst team in at, like in power. Well, five like I'm not gonna like you know, and these guys are getting plenty of money to go away, and and I'm not crying for them. It's more of so like just making a call on a guy like Paul Christ five games into the season when you know. Here's the more interesting take on Paul Christ. What is he thinking? He took $9 million less than he was guaranteed. Well, part of it was I, I, part of it was he They're gets paying it, it all out now. He gets it all in by February versus yeah. by 2026. I, I would like the extra $9 million. Well, here, here's the, I, under, I get it. And I, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I think part of the thinking too is, is like, do you know where he was born? Wisconsin. When do you know specifically where he was born? Madison was Madison. He he basically looked at it as like, you know, I don't need the money. They're giving me eleven million bucks. Like your grandkids might need the money, Paul. I you know I don't think so. I think he's got plenty of money. I know, but I, like, you, I, give me my nine just, million dollars. I, I agreed to a contract. No, I don't disagree. I didn't do anything I'm just wrong. saying, like, I think that was his thinking. Was just like, this is where I was born, raised. I love you know I'm. I don't need I don't need to make them pay me that now. Like when Brian Harson gets fired at Auburn, yeah, he's gonna go. Yeah, I, give me every damn penny. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I'm just like we we reached we we agreed on a contract. You are firing me without cause or with there, there's no reason other than 
There's always don't a think settlement. I'm the guy though. anymore. Even you know, almost all the contracts still have like a settlement and a deferment if they get another job and and all of that stuff. So it's never the it's never the full amount. Not it, like half. He took half. Yeah, he took he took eleven, and he could have got of, like instead of twenty, like twenty. Yeah. Oh, I. I'm not saying not me, not me, man. Well, I'm not saying he did the right thing. I'm just saying that like, I me, think man. that's why he, you know, he just looks at that's just a different job for him. Um, versus yeah, like a divorce, except who's getting half? What guy's getting half in the divorce? <laughs> except the prenup said you got it. Like you're yeah, the prenup. The divorce was forty, and you were getting twenty, and instead. You settled down to 11. Did USF just get a safety? I don't know, did they? Oh, sure did. 26-13 for UCF. All right, I'm I'm off the SMU hype wagon. I, I thought maybe they were they were a little different. They are not. Are you are you serious? You thought Mordecai put up. I, I I I believed in Tanner Mordecai, but more than I believed in John Rice Plumley. Uh, yeah, but I be, I believe in uh UCF's defense and running more than I believe in SMU's soft assness. Yeah, I was just like maybe with the new coaching staff, they weren't they weren't Charmin anymore. They are Charmin. Yeah, they are who we thought they were. Dennis Green voice, absolutely right. Smacking the side of the podium. We let them off the hook. <laughs> they are who we thought they were. Um. Yeah. That. that like. I, I don't know. I. I agree with your overall premise, but I also think like if you know, just rip the bandaid off. Like. If you've decided in week five, we're firing this guy at the end of the year. I mean, I think I think the, the Wisconsin situation is unique too, in the sense of like, I truly believe they want Jim Leonard to show that he should be the coach. Like he could have left. I yes. guess he could have taken the Packers defensive coordinator job. Yeah, you know, he played at Wisconsin. He. So I think they wanted to give him a seven-ish week, whatever it ends up being, trial run to show that he sh- he can be the coach. Um, and then if he's not, then they're in the position to, you know, make a play for. It's crazy, yeah. like it's crazy it's, when you look at the list. How many guys have coached or have ties to Wisconsin? Oh yeah, Dave Aranda, Lance Leipold, obviously yeah. Jim Leonard. I mean. And Lance's is just being Wisconsin Whitewater. I think he was a GA yeah. there for being a year in, or yeah. two, but um but yeah, it's 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 crazy to and it's like and it's none of the G five schools. Nobody in well, the G five Chris Vanini had a great like there's no if you're a group of five, there's no benefit to starting the process early. No. You're just you're sliding money on fire, right? Like you're just you're 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 paying a guy not to work that you don't have the money to like do that, right? 
that that makes sense why it's not group of five nearly yeah. as much as it is power five. For sure. <laughs> I love it. I'm available if they need someone. MCB 2.0. That that's fantastic. Look, man, like you want you want to pay me? You want to pay me whatever, you know, eight, ten, twelve million dollars to not work? I will not work for the rest of my life, sir. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's why I have a problem with the, the, the Chris thing. Oh, 2026? Oh, I can't I can't work until 2026. Why you guys pay me my extra nine million dollars? He could he yeah. could work. They just would stop. I'm saying paying. even if the parameter was you can't work until 2026, like it was a non-compete clause or something. Yeah. In order to get your nine million dollars, you can't take another job until 2026. Deal, motherfucker. Deal. <laughs> You will. I will see you all in 2027. I'll take the extra year just to be safe. I'll be Coach O and Destin every night at some rando local bar on the beach. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, how you doing there, honey? I named Coach O. Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> we, you want to see com- my bank account? We coming. We coming. Tuck coming. How about, how about that? About to they got they got the Buckeyes this week. Turned into a, a grease spot on the highway this week. Woo! It's like they'd already lost two games. They didn't even play any of the good teams in the Big Ten yet. Right, right. <laughs> Tuck coming, Tuck coming for his ninety million dollars when you guys fire him. I don't think they can. I, I, there's no way they can. He's getting ninety million dollars over ten years, guaranteed. Yep, Guarantee. Some, some interesting, interesting stuff. Hey, but you know, good, good for all your TV money. You can make those, <laughs> can make those moves. All right, we'll, we'll we'll see you next week. We got Rocket Truth on Thursday. Dylan O'Quinn is coming on on Thursday. Uh, we'll have uh, the 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 three keys with me and Aaron coming up on Friday. Nightcap tonight. Nightcap probably tomorrow. Three keys. Actually, Aaron, we might have to do three keys on Thursday. I think I'm taking the uh, – uh, as long as Kelsey feels better, her and her crew to the Dent Schoolhouse on Friday night. So uh, go to the Dent Schoolhouse. That's uh, – my buddy Bud owns it. I love that place. Um, Saturday, all the game coverage you could ever imagine. Sunday, Bearcat Brunch. Monday, BBP. Tuesday, Pardon the Punctuation. And then we'll be back here Wednesday with the Holy Crown BCJ podcast. If you're a business and you want to get involved, my DMs are open. Uh, we, we've got some slots. We've got some availability uh, right now. And, and I only bring that up because if you're a business, you want involved in this right now. Everything is hot. Everything is, is coming up roses for the University of Cincinnati right now. Why not get involved in the one podcast network that does it better than anybody else? He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Aaron Smith on the ones and twos. We'll see you next week. It's the BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.